0: Good Wednesday morning, everybody. I am Glenda Geek in Ocala, Florida.
2: And I'm Jamie Jennings, and I'm in Norman, Oklahoma, and you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for July 27th, episode 2983, brought to you today by Stateline Tech. Good morning, horse people.
0: It's Chinkatique Pony Swim Day, and we're going to get a live report from one of our auditors who's on her kayak. This morning, by the ponies as they swam by, and I caught up with her earlier. She called right after it happened, and we'll have her report. We get a report there f- from the swim every year. I think it's been probably 10 years we've been covering this. Are they selling them? Yes, tomorrow. Like Tomorrow, but
2: they're not doing the internet horse auction. Like yes, they, they are,
0: apparently. Them. According oh. to what she said, they are, yeah. So, if you want a pony... Get on the get on the website we have an old friend of the show coming on too Dominique uh, Ferrero who is of zebras are us we met her years and year 11 years ago in Norco California now she lives in Texas and she's going to join us to talk about her gaggle of exotic animals plus we have a study show in the post show and apparently according to what Jamie said some really good weird news so Kn-
2: there might be some Florida involved. We'll
0: see. <laughs> I know I sent you a couple that I came across. Well, uh, we have a Mongol Derby update to start the show. Six riders remain locked in a battle for the lead at the at the at the head of the race, and uh, apparently it's been sunny for the most part. The uh, we're in the fourth day now. It's been sunny for the most part all four days, which is quite unusual. They're at checkpoint number sixteen of twenty eight. Oh, dear God. two of the leading writers Chris Walker of the UK and Patrick heffron of Ireland they left the uh, the checkpoint number 16 with only 18 minutes of daylight left to go that would have been our This morning, their evening, because they're only allowed to ride to a certain time every night, and then they have to stop wherever they are. If they're in the middle of the wilderness, they have to stop in what we call cowboy camp. They just have to sleep by their horse. Um, So apparently this will give them a head start in the morning from the other batch who are right behind them, but they would not make it to the next stop. So they either have to find a local family if there is one or sleep in the wild, one or the other. I'm Googling
2: predators in Mongolia right now. (laughs)
0: So uh, remember the triple act? We call them the stirrupless and stupid group. Uh, Yeah. We we talked about a Monday. They lost their, their horses took off and they lost their saddles and everything. They had to borrow saddles that didn't have stirrups and, keep riding well are they still going they're still going but apparently three sets of stirrups and the leathers arrived they said by uh father derby's little helper they wouldn't say who but they got a next day delivery of those and they were able to keep going with stirrups this time so
2: i'm assuming they have some sort of time penalty for that but oh dear god i mean to go all the way to mongolia and lose your stirrups and be like we're just gonna go
0: Unlike the second day of a yeah. ten-day ride, yeah, that's not good. Uh, also, um, one of the riders was a, a, a ex- had perfect horsemanship. Apparently, she left the checkpoint six and rode a, a good ways. Apparently, and then turned around and went back because she didn't feel her horse was right. She didn't fear her horse was fit enough to continue, so she rode all the way back and changed horses, and then kept on. They really do you know a lot of people wonder about that with this with this race. they have vet checks all the time It's like an endurance vet check where your horse has to have a certain heart rate they have to their heart rate has to come down on a certain period of time you get penalized if they don't and and what you do is you lose hours they you know they take off hours before you can start again so it you don't gain anything by riding a horse that comes up lame or you know respiration is too high because you're going to lose hours and you're you're just going to get behind anyway, so they really do they really well they worry about that stuff and they do take care of the horses that way there's a number of vets I can't forget how many vets they have there, but there's a whole lot of vets they Probably are better taken care of during this race than they are normally. So,
2: <laughs> Well, they're not being eaten, so that's yeah. good.
0: <laughs> yeah, so that's good. But anyway, we're going to have a live tonight. Devin Horn and I are going to get on, do a 7.30 live. You can go to Horse in the Morning Facebook page to see that. Hopefully, we're going to have some guests on with us. Devin's going to kind of update us on what she's been hearing. And our friend Eric from the Mongol Derby has been sending me little messages, uh, so behind-the-scenes messages on Facebook. And I got one this morning that... That uh, one of the riders from the United States, let me get her name, uh, Deidre uh, from the USA, he, he said that she started at the very back from the start line and was in the back for a while and is now in third place. She made a massive comeback passing everybody. So, Ooh. and I looked her up. She is a, uh, worked at a dude ranch in Wyoming for a lot of years. So she's a tough girl, and apparently is getting it done. She has two little girls, uh, two little kids, and her husband who's following along at home. Uh, so all of those kind of stories we're going to talk about tonight, and I'm sure Eric will feed me a couple more that aren't out there yet. Uh, Eric likes when we cover this. So, and he said it's been a wild ride over there. She, he said as usual, there's been a, a range of everything. So
2: I, I follow it on Facebook, and I saw that one. When- They had, like, one horse that got tacked up, and it literally looked like that's the first time anybody's put a saddle on that horse ever. I mean, and they're, like, basically water skiing on the end of this lead rope, and somebody's like, oh, my God. And somebody goes, yeah, that's mine. (laughs) Yeah, that's mine.
0: Apparently, Uh, what's been happening this year is there's a couple of people that have been getting every horse is like that. They've just been not lucky at all, and every horse they get on to ride their their twenty five mile leg is like that. It's like, can you imagine? Wow. <laughs> I have a couple daily winnies today. First, congratulations to Tiana Vestry, who's one of our terrific auditors, on winning her jumper class at Hits in Socrates, New York. She was very excited about that. And those classes are huge up there. It's not that she was the only one in the class.
2: Um, (laughs) Like me when I get a blue ribbon.
0: (laughs) They're huge up there. Also, uh, Shona Ensign is going to be on today. Later in the show, she's the one giving us the report on the pony swim from her kayak. But she competed at, in training level at eventing over the weekend at a show she was at, and she won. It was her first training level event. Uh, she finished on her dressage score. Maybe I'll talk to her about that a little bit later, too. So congratulations to her as well. We do have a couple of birthdays. Happy- Happy birthday to Philip Roars and Ellen Atridge. Happy birthday to both of you. I
2: swear to God, I'm never having a foal ever again. Except for my (laughs) marriage You say that every
0: year. Except
2: for she's pregnant. By the way, we found the heartbeat. (laughs) We're proceeding forward.
0: I'd say congratulations, but I don't know if I should anymore, to be honest.
2: So, Effie, my...
0: (laughs) Appropriately named.
2: Appropriately named Philly, Black Philly, born um, by Devonair, a beautiful Hanoverian stallion, the daddy of my new Philly. And uh, as you guys know, I named her Effie because it stands for effing filly like like she's just been from the time she was trying to come out of the womb difficult and a giant vet bill well she ended up cutting her leg like barely cutting it but when it's a baby horse it's a big deal and so she had to stay bandaged forever so i haven't been able to post any videos of her and i can't get her sold because i had this bandage on her leg for like a tiny little like abrasion whatever finally get the bandage off we're good Awesome. I come home on the Saturday or on Friday from my trip. Saturday's great. And I'm like, okay, Sunday, I'm going to put you in the arena and I'm going to take some video of you. Sunday, Glenn, I swear to God, <laughs> she's freaking lame. Oh, no. On the other foot. Oh, on The, no. uh, the cut was on the right front. That's all healed. Now she's lame on her left front.
0: Abscess? Do they get abscesses? Is that a little...
2: Well, I text my vet. I'm like, I hate to bother you on a Sunday, but this filly's lame. Do baby horses get abscesses? And she was like, yeah, they can. It's not super common, but they can. So here's me. You want to know how fun it is to put a boot <laughs> on a freaking filly without sedation? I did it myself. And I had my friend Ginger hold her and I was able she was in so much pain. How many abrasions
0: do you have now?
2: I know. Right. But actually went great. Like I was like, Oh my God, you're so sweet. If you just scratch her, you can do anything. Right. So I get the bandage on her and everything. Well, she's not any better Monday. So I call Monday. I'm like, Oh my God, I need to bring this Philly in again to the vet. I've been going every six days for bandage changes. Finally, we're done. No, I got to load her up again. Good news is she loads really well and travels really well. So I load her up, take her to the vet. I unload her at the vet and she's like, my butt hurts. I'm dying. And she like limps in, you know, three-legged. I'm like, Oh God, what is wrong with this filly? And of course, like as a horse owner, all I do is prep myself for death. Like we're gonna have to put her down. We're gonna have to put her down. Oh my god, she's gonna die. Like I use Not only will it be really sad, but I would also be like, wow, that was a giant. See, that's financial the difference bath. between
0: the horse owner and the horse husband. The horse husband is thinking, oh, another great big vet bill. You're thinking, I have to put her down.
2: Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, oh, she's gonna die. Well, they get her off, and 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 the first thing the vet says to me goes, "She's like, uh, is she eating some of her mom's grain?". And I said, yeah, of course, because Pink is like the super cool mom who's like, <laughs> you want a beer? You know, 15-year-old, just drink it home. Whatever you want. I'm the cool mom. You know, like no boundaries whatsoever. You usually have to get like creep feeders for babies, not with Pink. And And I've had two other babies that also shared her grain. No problems. This one, I'm dying. So they're like, okay, well, let's take some x-rays. Take some x-rays. What does she have, Glenn? Lemon, I she guess. has... Epiphysitis. What's that? Do you know what epiphysitis no. is? Clearly not. Okay, epiphysitis is the basically the equine baby version of the gout. <laughs> she is eating. She oh, she's getting too much good food.
0: Only you. She's
2: eating too much. She's eating too well. So apparently, I I I looked it up here just so I can give you a proper definition. Epiphysitis is a generalized bone disease of young growing horses that's characterized by the enlargement of the growth plates in the long bones. It's most commonly seen in horses four to eight months of age when they undergo rapid growth, but can be seen in other foals, even up to two. And basically, the cause of the condition, fast-growing Overweight young horses that are fed high-calorie <laughs> diets.
0: I don't ever want to hear about Scooter being fat again, ever on this show.
2: Oh my god, I'm <laughs> loving her too much. Like I, I, I'm like she's crippled, she's dying. No, she's eating too much and she's getting too many, too much good food, and 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 it's the exact same thing I've done with my other two. I've never had this problem. So she's got joint joint pain, joint swelling. Uh, she's super lame. The <laughs> clinical signs are like you know they they take take x-rays, she shoot I mean they knew what it was before they even walked in yet still made me pay for x-rays, of course, you know, we got to take the x-rays, yeah. and so basically, I have to sh have to keep her in a stall and just give her grass hay boring, and so <laughs> now I'm like, but, but oh, by the way, pink needs to gain weight because Effie is eating all of her food. So now I have to separate them to eat, which if you separate a mare and a fold, do you know how loud that is? It's so loud. <laughs> they just scream. And Pink is like, she's eating and then screaming. and the, But she's like not stopping eating, right? So she's like eating and then whinnying, and like all this food spits out of her mouth. Like, I'm like, just chill out and just eat. Just, she'll be fine. She's next door. You can still see her. There's the bars. She's on the other side. Anyway, yes, this Philly. Now basically has the equine baby version of the gout. And the good news is I didn't have to put her down. <laughs> like, cause all I'm <laughs> like, Oh my God, news. she's got a nail in her coffin bone or she fractured her ankle. Like, you know, you just come up with all these things to prepare yourself mentally when you're taking a horse to the vet. That's a baby. That's lame. Any, any horse. But apparently I just have to starve her. They're Like she just needs grass, hay and milk. And that's fine. And then they were like, we have to keep an eye on Pink's milk because if Pink's getting too much good food, it could be coming through the milk. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> what? Like, I can't. Do- I, I- and then they're like, but Pink needs to gain about 20, 30 pounds because she don't lost feed her. some weight. You don't but don't feed, feed her, <laughs> her anything too good. <laughs> no. But feed her, don't feed her anything too bad because, like, if she doesn't get enough, then she's going to lose weight. But if you give her too much good food, then that's going to go into horses the milk and the baby's going to continue. Baby I like, horses
0: will do anything to kill themselves.
2: The good news is in about two weeks, she's going to be totally fine. And all I have to do is like feed her less and feed her less. So, so everything is fine. It's not going to affect her in the future at all. I actually hesitated to even talk about it because I don't want people to be like, she's selling lame. No, it's totally fine. She's going to be fine. There's no, if you look right here, it says, uh, it will not cause it will n- They resolve without lasting damage.
0: There you go. All right. Well, I don't ever want to hear about Scooter again, ever.
2: Oh, my God. I swear to God, this... (laughs) Philly is killing me slowly. And the fact that she's not a cult is just a middle finger to my face. (laughs) Like if she was a cult, a black cult with like a blaze and two socks, I'd be like, I love you. I don't care what you do. Now that she's a Philly, I'm like, you effing Philly. You're like, I can't believe you keep doing this to me. I've spent My, my friend Ginger. She's like, you know what? You know what she's doing? And I said, what? She's eating your profit margin. That's what, <laughs> that's she's, doing. what
0: she's doing. That's, right. <laughs> like, Jesus. Uh, that's yeah. already gone. You're not making any money in this feeling.
2: The good news is <laughs> she's going to be an easy keeper until she's at least five. So <laughs> I have to tell the next person that gets her like, hey, listen, the good news is just feed her a ration balancer. And yeah. my, that was like about until a, she's about five, about you're going to have half a to... cup. You'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, it's, she's going to be an easy keeper. But I'm like, you, I cannot believe that I am like you're eating too much. You're getting too much good food. Like how many times are you like, am I, am I feeding my horse the right thing? Is there balanced? Is their diet balanced? Am I doing enough? Yes, I am doing enough. I'm doing too much. So my father-in-law comes over as I'm loading this, like three-legged Philly. And he's like, what's going on? I'm like, I have to take her to the vet. He's like, again, I'm like, I don't need your help. <laughs> don't need you. So I load her into the trailer, come back. He's like, so what happened? I'm like, she's got the gout. <laughs>
0: And on that note, we're going to go to our first guest today, Dominic. I'm sure she has an animal or two, probably not even a horse that has had the gout. We'll find out. <laughs> we're going to give her a call. She's from Zebras R Us, and she's out of Texas.
2: Well, please welcome to the show friend and uh, exotic animal aficionado, Dominique Ferraro. Hello. Hi, guys. Now, you are you are the owner of Zebras R Us, and uh, I, I get it. I get
3: it's Zebras RS,
2: but it's not just zebras anymore, my friend. What is happening?
3: It was like a population explosion after I moved out of California. Um, I decided to come to Texas and just seeing the incredible land here for the zebras and the animals that I raised was just it was like it was meant to be. Um, yeah, it's been 11 years or something since we first met. And since then, I've worked, tried, cried, and <laughs> shoveled <laughs> lots of shit. <laughs> I'm, sure, I, I'm sure everybody understands that. And yeah. just tried and got here. And it's incredible. These Texas has opened up a lot of opportunities. And the facility I have here is just, it's been a slow work in progress. But I finally feel like all those hard days are starting to pay off.
2: So, so you have more, more than zebras. You also, I what I keep seeing is, I uh, really want a le- lemur. You have oh, a yeah. bunch of baby lemurs.
3: Tell us about them. We do. We've got some lemurs. Um, there's different subspecies of all these exotics, kind of like your dogs. So you, there's different dogs. There's, you know, poodles and Maltese. There's just different stuff. So that's the same with the lemurs and the exotics. We've got red ruffs, black and white ruffs, ring-tailed lemurs, and all these species are unique. And it's just, it's taken so much. It's just, it's taken such a great, I want to say piece of my life, but it's been so interesting to see everything, interact with each other and raise them and learn about them. And my goal is, you know, conservation efforts. People are not raising these animals anymore. We don't have... The land, the resources and, you know, the guy in his backyard that used to raise, you know, 10 to 20 broodmares, they're gone. Those people aren't here anymore. And especially with the exotic industry, um, with the laws and things that are happening with the economy, it's really hard. So I've actually set out. I want the animals that no one's raising anymore, because in 10 years I started with three and I might have six. I mean, and that's not a high volume but that's six little animals that are in the world that wouldn't have been here, you know, and that to me is incredible.
2: So what is it? That's why you're raising the exotic animals is to continue their, like to keep them in the world.
3: Yes. The species survival program um, is a new thing that has come into our industry. And we're actually trying to take, different animals from different zoos and private facilities around the world and get matched up genetics. Um Zebras are us. Our company has some of the most amazing rare animals in the United States. There's no other facility in the world that has the animals that we have sitting here in my backyard. And, and so I our know goal, you,
2: you guys have had a lot of Grevy zebras, which are the yes. really, really um, endangered ones.
3: Oh my gosh. They're incredible. Um And I want to We've actually talked to people about shipping them back to Africa. Um, so, I mean, we're really trying on these. And the Grevy zebras, we actually had the most amazing surprise. We had a baby Hartman mountain zebra born last night, which uh, I don't even, there's probably maybe 10 born a year, 15 wow. born. So, I mean, and that's out of the whole United States, let alone worldwide, Um You know, we're just trying to repopulate this stuff and get some really cool animals and educate people about, you know, the need and the want and how good they can be in the right hands. But we've got kangaroos, um, zebras, lemurs, (laughs) all kinds of stuff. And we have some rare wallabies or agile wallabies. Um, And we think there's like 200 in the United States, possibly. That might be stretching it. We just had a baby girl about a month ago we pulled her out of the pouch. So we're, we're on that track too. And white Buffalo. (laughs) We've got some of those now, white elk, white Rias, all kinds of fun stuff.
2: Wow. That's amazing. So, so you've
3: got all the, how much
2: land do you have? What does it take to make something like this work?
3: work (laughs) um
0: (laughs) lots of work
3: (laughs) not not a college degree like (laughs) there's many days that i i'm it's you know midnight and i'm like wow i should have stayed in school (laughs) (laughs) no every every single bit and every every minute into it is so rewarding and You know, last night we didn't get in bed till three o'clock in the morning. We had that baby born. We had to shift, you know, four zebras to put this one over here. And that's at two o'clock in the morning. How (laughs) does one go about shifting a zebra? Like, okay,
2: so we got to come and meet you and your zebras back in the day, like you said, like 11 years ago. And Glenn was all hell-bent, Jamie's going to ride a zebra, ride a zebra. And you were like, um, just so you know, you can't really ride them because they'll murder you. Um, so how did, did you just walk up and put a halter on a zebra? Oh, did you no. have to, like,
3: herd them? <laughs> yeah. No, it's pretty incredible. What I've done at this facility, and a big focus of ours, is gentle exotics. We want things that you can interact and move with. And if something did arise, we have the proper facility in place. To take care of it so you know last night this mare we purchased these two zebras from a different facility of stud and a mare um and this was about four months ago and they kind of were a little poor they just didn't look great so we had them in a quarantine pen feeding them up and the mare started to bag up a little bit um and we didn't have there was no way she was going to fall this soon like <laughs> it wasn't going to happen well it happened last night Mm-hmm. And we just have different alleyways and feed systems. So, you know, you. Sh- I want all these things. You shake a bucket of grain and they're ready to go. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, just buckets of feed and kindness and, you know, just really a calm facility helps everything.
2: Gotcha. So I- I'm sure that, first of all, let me, let me ask first, do you still have a giraffe?
3: We, I raise a few giraffes a year for different facilities. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. I yep. Love- and that's so, so fun. That's, they're amazing.
0: So talk to me a little bit about, um, and I'm sure you get pushback, because right, even owning a horse, we get pushback oh. nowadays, right? Um, oh, it's unreal. I wanted to emphasize the fact that you work with this, or what was the name of the organization again? Which one? <laughs> the one that the, the, you mentioned it oh, earlier. Oh, the Species, yes.
3: species profi- Survival <clears throat> Program, these, SSP.
0: These aren't just a bunch of people with backyard animals. These are people who really oh. know what they're doing, right? And, oh. and there's a plan here.
3: Oh, the collaboration of the people that are involved in this industry is unreal. I mean, there are just the knowledge and the team that's been put in place to create this breeding program throughout different phys- facilities in the world. Um, people want these animals. Facilities want these. Zoos want these. We want to show you that there are four or five different types of zebras out there. And, um, you know, the people that have gone to bat for these animals are just, they're professionals and they want to see the species survive. So it's typically a lot of retired zookeepers, um, you know, biologists, people that have joined this program as far as educators. And so they're the ones that are retired and they've, they've planned their life around this, trying to get these animals put together at the right facilities for them to procreate. I mean, and it's, it's unbelievable what we're doing. We're moving animals from California to Florida, Ohio to Texas. I mean, you know, one animal to move, you're up in the five, $6,000, you know, so it's not cheap. It's a costly project. A lot, a lot of times it fails. Um, so that's been the hardest part is just all the failure, all the learning. We can't open a book and read how to raise zebras. You know, like we have a thousand horse trainers out there. Well, there might be two or three people in the United States that know how to how to raise zebras and are successful. So that's been something incredible is getting different private breeders together in different facilities to join forces and do right by these animals with no profit in sight. I mean, there's not, I've been raising grevy zebras for seven years and... <laughs> you know, they haven't, there's not a profit. There's no profit. You're you're feeding a herd to hopefully gain one. And that one will maybe be given to another facility, you know, just to hope that they might get two more babies. So it's, uh, I've described this industry as like a chess game. Um, <laughs> there's not a lot of money in it, but there's a lot of good people that are trying, you know, all they want is something good for their animal. They don't want to win a horse show, or they don't want that. They just want to see. Three become four, you know, and that's the end goal. I want to send out zebras to Africa. Like, that's what I want to do. I want to see them get off that trailer and have their feet hit that ground. Know that we made that.
2: Mm-hmm. So that's what's are, important. And people are giving you a hard time because why?
3: Well, because zebras shouldn't live in a pasture with green grass and be fed every day. You know, <laughs> they should be out in Africa in the wild where there's so many different challenges, um, but we call this captive wildlife. You know, this is captive breeding and our pastures are two acres. They're beautiful. They have two acre pastures a piece with three zebras in them. I mean, that's a lot of land for be- like beautiful little animals to just thrive in. And controlled breeding is a big focus. And a lot of people, it's just hard to see, um, you know the difference there's a lot of different zoos and facilities out there and it is hard to see sometimes you know right before feeding time i have some siberian lynx and they'll pace the fence you know and it looks like oh they're pacing a fence they're pacing a fence so does my fat
0: hackney pony i mean (laughs) he paces (laughs) the fence too
3: (laughs) right and i think a lot of the public's perception is like oh no it's pacing the fence well but it's going to be fed in 30 minutes and it just heard its buddy gouge down, you know, it's food bowl. And so the public, and so does your dog and your cat, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah. right. It's the public perception is what we're trying to fight. You know, um, just I'll say it, PETA and animal rights activists, if they truly knew what we did, it would be so different, you know, and I want to welcome those people into my life and say, look, Come help me. Come take a walk with me. Come look at my zebras. Come look at these animals. Yeah, but they
0: don't want any animals held captive. No. You know, they just don't want, they don't even want your cat in the house. So No. Yeah.
3: I was cool. told no. to let our horses go. Yeah.
2: So oh, it's, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. But I got to ask you this. Because
0: they would survive why? so well that way. Was, right. Yeah.
2: Why the horses? I mean, you're breeding a horse with a zebra that, like, maintains its zebra <laughs> mentality with a horse type physique so so what's up with the zorses what go to what what are they used for
3: tell me you ain't never want to lose (laughs) but (laughs) first uh the Zorce program um the Zorce program is interesting and i enjoy the animal because it was a goal and i did it and it was cool like hey that was that was interesting we made that my animals are so much different um you know, our foals are gentle and they're raised by their moms. So like I have his horse. I literally put a halter and a lead rope on and I was like, let me see if I could ride him. Got on him, kicked him a little bit. He rode like a baby and I rode his horse and that is the whole goal. <laughs> Gotcha. Yeah. I I rode him 30 feet in my pasture and didn't die. And that was awesome.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I had a neighbor in Arizona that had a Zorse. And I mean, everybody would slow down at their house and look and look at that. It's like a horse with stripes. So cool. Right. And she was like, I would love to send it to you to train. And I was like, that's fine. She goes, He's been he's been in a trainer for like the last four months. And here's what the trainer said. The trainer said that some days he's fantastic. And some days he's a zebra. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they're like
3: fun. They're like the Jekyll and Hyde. And I love so I feel like I have enough experience to talk on all these animals. But like the Zedonks are incredible. They're sweet. They pick up their feet. They do all their things. The Zorses are the same way. Here, but you know, they're just I feel like I want people to get into it because they genuinely love the animal. They're not work animals. (laughs) They're not going to go on a trail ride. You know, you can't have unrealistic expectations for what you're working with. You know, you're not going to teach a donkey to go show jump. You're not going to have it go do dressage practically. You know, there's better animals for the outfit. So the Zorses are a beautiful hybrid that are a horse with stripes and uh, they're just they're like your mini donkeys or mini ponies. They're just really, really pretty cool pasture pets. Yeah. And that's how they should be looked at. The same with zebras. You know, they're not meant to, they don't have any work ethic. So if you start fighting with them, it's it's a battle. But if you just genuinely see them for what they are and you love them, oh, they're incredible. I mean, they that's will do cool. anything in the world any horse would ever think about doing for you. I
0: wanted to ask well, you about that, if I could jump in here. So, when we talked to you last, 11 years ago, really, I mean, we've talked to you a couple times <laughs> since, but when we met you, there was a problem, and some of your zebras were rescues from people who thought it'd be fun to have a zebra and then found out oh. it wasn't, you know, meant for the faint of heart, or people that are just unqualified. Um, mm-hmm. And is that slowing down, or do we have oh. still have that problem?
3: Oh, my gosh. Now, I've gained a lot more knowledge. Um, it is so sad, this industry, um, as far as... Raising unfit animals for uneducated people. Um, We want people to be safe. I was severely injured right before you guys came there.
0: Oh, we remember.
3: (laughs) Right. And I purchased the best zebra in the world. This is what the title was. And within 10 hours, I was viciously attacked. Um, And it was unprovoked. It was... It was out of the blue. By and the I way, thought... let me
0: talk to you about how tough Dominique is. We were there in in Norco for a week. We had brought out there, and we had a great time. We we did a lot of different things there, um, but meeting you was one of the most fun things. And and when we went to her farm, they were doing a photo shoot for a commercial oh, with yeah. the zebras. That was an experience. <laughs> but you you did that interview, even though oh. your entire body was black and blue. I mean, I
3: will never forget that day. That was <laughs> <I> mean, awful.
0: <laughs> I, I give you credit. I mean, what talk about one tough cookie. Do you remember that, Jamie, how black and blue she was? Oh, oh, God. oh my gosh.
3: I was in the ER less than 12 hours before I met you guys. And uh, I was like, I have to get out of the hospital. I have an interview at 4 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> I go, it'll be fine. It's, an, it's a radio interview. They can't see me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, work never slows down for anybody. The world keeps running. You know, I just stay with it. I've worked hard to get where I'm at. Y'all well, know
2: that. Yeah, you you certainly have. And the work you've done, like I said, just with the grubby zebras alone is so incredible because there was like down to like, I mean, there was less than 10 of them and they're the most unique, beautiful zebras. And uh, I've always kept up with them because anytime there's one that's born at a zoo, there's like a big announcement that goes oh, yeah. out on over media. And you, you're like, you're killing it, girl. You're like oh, saving Thank a you. species.
3: It's amazing. Well, and the difference between our facility is, uh, you know, our zebras are managed and they're calm and that's a big deal. So a lot of facilities want our stuff. So a lot of places have a baby zebra, it's born out in a pasture, you know, and they're like looking through binoculars, they're like, oh, look, we had another baby. They can't sex it. They can't pull a IgG on it. They can't figure out what's going on, you know, it's just born. And so here I feel like we get more individual care, the animals, you know, like we had a full born last night it's not as strong as I'd like it to be. You know, there's some things I want to keep track of, you know, I want to watch the mare, and these are all things we can do at a private facility. You know, this is educated eyes on these animals every single day. So when they're born, it's such a big accomplishment, but it's so different here, you know, and now this baby's going to come up to feed every day. It's going to see people every day. It's going to understand the system. So when it goes on to transition to a new facility or a home, they're like, oh, okay, hi, we know people, we know feed. So it's a lot different mentality. I think we set the animals up for success here so that the transitions and the new animals and the new encounters they come across in their little lives, you know, they're they're used to it. And I think that is so important with the grevies and all the endangered animals. A lot of injuries come from movement of these exotics. So if we can keep that safe and we can raise them healthy in a good environment, I just think the success for the project is going to be so much greater that when we do want to ship them to Africa and we do want to ship them back, these animals are going to walk into a crate and be like, okay, where are we going? And they're going to be accustomed to that. So it's not just that we had a full born today. It's that in 10 years, they could possibly be exported. And that to me is just so cool.
2: I always say an educated animal has a much better life than an uneducated absolutely. one. Absolutely. And, and, and doing what you're doing and trying to maintain things in captivity, you know, th- that's absolutely going to be a beneficial part. So if people want to see what you do or help or throw you some money for some hay or, I don't know, meat, whatever you feed these well, crazy we things.
3: Well, we actually... So, like, I am very proud to say this. This is 100% not a rescue. We don't, we don't even—I don't take donations. I. Um, I believe that—and I hope this is okay. I believe that God has helped me on this path. And I think that as much as I give back, I get back. And they've provided an amazing facility, and we take care of the animals here, and there's—it's just—it works. And I don't want to take—we're not a rescue— You know what I mean? Like this is a, this is good. Our animals are safe. They're healthy. We've been blessed with lots of, you know, we have hay here. There's hay sitting in the barn and the way that everything's working is so good. And I would just appreciate any, any shares, just share this stuff, share it with your friends, share zoo, go to zoos, go to zoos. If you ask people, when I go to the stores and people see zebras or us or have animals with me. I will ask these people that are so interested and intrigued with what I have. When was the last time you went to the zoo? And people are speechless. They, they've been to zoos once or twice in their lives. And that's unfortunate because we have to support the zoos that are feeding this stuff. We sit down and we watch TV and we look at them and that's great. But what are we really doing to help long term? Let's go well, to the zoo. Take your kids to the zoos.
2: And, and the, well, my son went to zoo camp this year. And uh, the cool thing is that education breeds interest. And so, mm-hmm. you know, the, the to me, what I've always thought is that the animals in the zoos are what, what's the word I'm looking for? They're like ambassadors basically yes. for their breed. And, uh, I, you know, my son is always, I started going to a, a local zoo. And you got to think when you think zoos, people go, oh, it's like an animal <sighs> in a cage. Not it's anymore. Awful. No, oh, my not God. they good now. They're incredible. It's, it's incredible. And the, the Oklahoma City Zoo, there's one up here. I mean, you, I like. I mean, these are phenomenal places that now, I mean, I grew up in Atlanta where there was Willie B who was in a blue room with a TV, you know, and that was like where the gorilla lived. It's not like that anymore. It's phenomenal family, social
3: interaction. Oh my gosh. uh, It's so cool. And it's so neat because, you know, the money that's put into these enclosures, I have personal friends that own zoos and stuff. And I mean, they are, they've. Just like me, we've worked so hard to get to this milestone. It's like, oh, my God, we finally made money. And now let's put all that, you know, let's put all that money back into an enclosure. You know, they'll dump half a million dollars into a hundred dollar pair of blah, 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 just to have them a badass enclosure, you know, and the the work and the try and the the late nights for these animals, you know, you all take care of your horses. And I'm sure everybody's been up in the middle of the night and just gone and kissed them on the forehead or just made sure they're okay. Those animals in zoos have zookeepers and those people love those animals so much and if we can support them, you know, and just show that we care and what's 20 30 bucks? That's $60 and that $60 will help an animal at your local zoo or the facility. I mean, I just want to promote that so much is to help your fellow exotic animal friends. I mean, nobody thinks about it.
2: All right. What's your website and uh, Facebook page and where can people go to see all of your adorable animals?
3: We are Zebras are Us. We're on Facebook. We have a website and, you know, I appreciate any questions If people, good ones, bad ones, any questions. If you don't ask, you'll never know. So I'd rather people ask um, and hopefully we can get a better understanding for what zoos and conservation facilities are trying to do for these animals i'd be happy to talk to anybody I just
0: stole the picture of the new baby brand new baby off your (laughs) website so we're going to put that as our show notes picture for today because the baby's so
3: cute brand new brand new brand new
0: so we're going to put that up dominique thank you so much jamie i think we have another road trip we have to go visit dominique again
3: please and we have a gold gold zebra too that's the only one in the u.s I just
2: googled you you're only 4 hours away so I'll be I'll, you oh know my what, what time gosh. is it what time is it
3: I'm, I'm on my way <laughs> brings bring the cooler weather with you. goodness good <laughs> lord 106 in norman today that's that's fine so you, it must
0: be worse for you
3: <laughs> unreal
0: All right. Thanks, Dominic. Appreciate it.
3: Thank you so much. Have a great day. All right.
0: We'll see you. We're sponsored today by Stateline Tech, and they're having a Christmas in July sale. Yesterday, or what, three days ago was the official Christmas in July day. That started becoming a thing, I think, when I was in my 20s. I don't remember anything about Christmas in July before that. I don't know how that became a thing, to be honest. <laughs> so they're having a sale right over there right now. They're having some fly sheets in there, uh, Gatsby fly sheets for $29. They have Troxel helmets, the Sport 2.0, I think kid sizes for starting at $21, a whole bunch of different stuff there. Just click on the banner when you go over there. Uh it says Christmas in July. You can't miss it. The great big banner at the top. And head over there. You're going to find a page of different things that are marked down for the Christmas in July sale, and including Ozark and Weather Beta and uh, Stretch Tax and Select Blankets by Horseware, all different kinds of things. So check it out today at StatelineTac.com. Com. Yeah. Two, I
2: just want to say that remember last week I was telling or two weeks ago, I was telling you guys like I made an order and I was so impressed with how quickly they said it was being shipped. I got my order in like five days, Good. which for a an Internet website, that's great. Uh it's I mean it's not Amazon, you know, it's 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 Stateline Tac. And they I can I was so pleased because it was fly mask and I really needed them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now they're destroyed and she just ordered the next batch. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the the pony swim segment that's coming up is brought to you by Daily Dose Equine, non GMO Core Nutrition for horses and ponies of all ages. We have Shona Nestor ensign coming on with us. She is one of our auditors, and she let me know that she was going to be on a kayak this morning, and she was going to watch the pony swim. Now, this was a little bit earlier in the morning, so Jamie wasn't on the call, because we had to do it when the pony swam, and they swim at a certain time. And she was there with her kids, and she tells us all about it. And by the way, this is almost 100 years now that they've been doing the Chincoteague pony swim. Wow! They bring them over. Most of you know the story. We've talked about this every year, I think, since we've been on the air. But it's run by the Chincoteague Volunteer Fire Company. You don't
2: company. need to go on because every one of Everyone us has knows. read Misty yes. of Chincoteague. Okay, you like, It's not, you're, <laughs> we're, you don't need a backstory. No, okay. don't, we but understand. this was the
0: first live one in a couple of years because of COVID. So, uh, so we'll see if the crowds are there. Let's talk to Shona from her kayak. Shona, describe the scene where you're at right now.
1: Well, right now, I'm seeing everybody leave. Um, they have just seen all the ponies coming from one island to another. And it's chaos because everybody's trying to get to land to wait for them to go down in the center of the parade. But and, it was and you're, amazing.
0: You're on the water oh, right oh, now, sorry. right?
1: I am on the water. So what we did... Um, what we did was we got, we brought our kayaks and, um, set ourselves up to see the ponies swim. And in order to do that, we had to get, um, permits and we had to get, uh, you know, here the day before and get, I was at the dock at five 30 in the morning, <laughs> making sure I got parking. And it's been such an adventure just to get here. And when they started swimming, probably around like 9 10, it was only like, minutes but i put on my gopro and i was actually like inches away from the ponies while they were swimming and it was amazing
0: and what's the weather like is it nice
1: it's cloudy uh, i want to say high 70s um there was a little rain uh but it's perfect because you're not overly hot and burning but you have really nice visibility uh i know they they don't I don't think they were worried about the weather as much as they were worried about. But they were more concerned about the um, the water and the way that it was moving to decide when the horses come across.
0: Yeah, they kind of wait till so. that lull. I don't. I don't know what they call it, but it's it's kind of a lull in the tide, and that's when they do. Yes. It. Yeah.
3: Yes, absolutely.
0: So, was so, it as amazing as you thought?
1: You know, I thought I'm going to just see a cool experience, but it was an amazing experience watching these horses just like navigate and interact. And they have young ponies, um, you know, the young foals, not too, too young, because um, they were actually brought over and penned up with the pregnant mares um, a couple days ago. And I got to see them last night, but uh, you know, they were just so amazing just to work in a herd and the cowboys were there seeing their eyes. Um, they they actually try to come into the crowd at times and Cowboys were like you know ho ho hoing them in. Um, I it was amazing. I didn't think I was going to be as overwhelmed as I was, and it was just a big smile on my face the whole time, just smiling at these uh, amazing creatures that have been you know ready for this adventure. For I don't know which one was King Neptune and Queen Neptune because <laughs> the first one that lands is going to be. But yeah, it, they're they're amazing creatures. Um, definitely. You know, I was speaking with somebody last night who works with um, people who buy uh, or with the auction and training and transporting. But she spends time with them on the island to get to know their personalities and will actually help them choose what works. You know, what numbers that they can bid on for horses that you know suit them, um, what they're looking for. But she said the difference of a domestic versus the shantique, is that they really are more, they're, they're easier to deal with the changes where our horses will freak out because our garbage can moved. Um, they are, they'll, they have no worries. They go right on the trailer. They had no, what I thought would be instinctive behavior to, you know, to flee or get away. They actually were kind of drawn in and uh, ears pricked and uh, no stress. I thought there was going to be a lot of splashing and, and, it was just really nice to see, uh, horses in a herd natural environment, uh, you know, dealing with all this, all this chaos that I'm already freaked about, but, uh, <laughs> because when a boat comes by, I'm swelling and ready to fall out of the kayak. <laughs> um, but it, it was really good. And there's so many people here that, you know, just come for the experience. This is the first time for them, you know, Glenn, I was also told yesterday that they haven't, done this one since 2019 i think
0: that's right yep
1: so um and this is uh in 2019 misty's um offspring actually ran back to the barn they didn't push them in so they didn't make it to the auction so this time with a couple of years off they have tons of um you know about 20 horses off of that um that lineage so that was kind of neat to hear that that had that type of uh
0: um story to tell isn't it amazing that these falls can swim that well?
1: Yeah. You know, they don't swim the whole time. So they are walking and um, trotting till about the time that you get to uh, where the there's the, uh, the Veteran Memorial Park and there's streamers and there's, you know, people lined up. Um, and then they have to cut across right into where, um, you know, the boat launches and they and they come up um and that's where they swim so and it's unfortunate well not unfortunate but it's it's tricky because there's oyster mounds that you can get stuck on and cut your feet and so i think they were navigating that as well as they were walking and trotting across the marsh
0: well that's amazing now are you going to hang around today or are you heading right back
1: i'm i'm gonna hang out a little bit we brought our bikes and i've got my son and his friend they're 12 they're in another kayak we're gonna go and see all the other activities i know they're gonna do another parade there is a fireman's carnival uh last night they had um penned up the the pregnant mares and the new new foals that would wouldn't be able to make this trip um and you know Just take a look at all the, you know, they have so many different other activities around here, but it's so quaint. This whole island is really um, quiet. I mean, it's busy right now. Uh, Some of the locals are kind of like complaining how much has changed in the uh, commercialism, but they are very grateful to have everybody here. Um, And then I'm actually driving up to uh, the I'll just north of DC to pick up a horse trailer, and so I've told my husband, "Don't be surprised if I come back and pick up some of these ponies
0: too." <laughs> I was going to ask you if you were attending the auction.
1: <laughs> oh, I, you know, you have to be here. Um, they, they have a raffle, so I was going to throw in um, some tickets, but they said that you have to be here in order to win. Mm. So, but I last the last time I saw, I thought these ponies were going way above my uh, pay grade. So. You know, yeah, and with
0: pent up demand this year, you might see that too.
1: Yeah, and yeah. it's all online, so everybody can see um, at what what they're going for. But I, I really think uh, I I shouldn't bring anything home unless anybody <laughs> wants to sponsor.
0: <laughs> so I also earlier in the show congratulated you because uh, of your post about competing at travel training level and eventing and winning. Uh, oh
1: my gosh. Yeah, that was amazing. Tell Thank us about you. your horse. Oh um, Emmy is uh, a Dutch warm blood. Um, she's 13. I got her in October. Um, she is 16, too, and bay, and absolutely the most unmarish mare that I had ever known. Um, she's really teaching me, and because uh, she's gone up to two star. So I kind of think I have a little bit of a. Um, uh, an edge, but you still have to ride in fact, my first two uh, couple of novice um, trials were were really embarrassing because I was more fearful to let her go, and I was adding you know fifty seconds to my cross country so um and it was at Morvin that uh, when i and i My trainer's like, listen, if you can't make time, we'll bring you down a level. And I was like, I did not get her to go down. So I went back on a schooling day that they offered and I pumped in off of Spotify a whole bunch of heavy metal and um fast music that gets you to step on the gas and just went for the same course again and and beat that time and said, okay, we're ready to do this. And since then it's been absolutely wonderful. We just broke that, that uh, mark and you know, training, I've never gone training. So I had no idea what to, if we were going to, you know, make time, how it was going to do. I just looked at it as this is going to tell us where our weaknesses is, our weakness is. And um, we had a, semi you know a pretty good decent score out of dressage i I still have to work on my ability to ask her to do what she needs to do um but uh show jump and cross country um were we still a challenge because I was there the week before. And this is supposed to be a uh, move up level. And uh, I was walking the course going, it doesn't seem like a move up level. It seems like it was still a challenge because we had a um, user error. I had to stop um, going downhill on a lot the week before on a novice. So I had really worked hard um, in my lessons to work on that, putting a standard literally on a hill and, you know, a jump standard and, and jumping down the hill and, and understanding my body position, because she's not going to give it to me. She's going to say, listen, if you're not going to ride, right, you're, I'm not going to do it for you. So, um, but she's not mean about it. So I'm learning. And we just had so much fun. In fact, um, at the, I just knew I had, uh, done a, a good enough job to not be like, a keep my head down but finishing that crossing line I took off my uh helmet cover and just you know woohoo! right over the finish line I was so excited just because we accomplished it and, and and she is um she takes everything uh with so much confidence I just have to have confidence in her and it's a big game changer for us I think
0: well congratulations you've had quite a week
1: <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> absolutely and I'm still going I don't think I'm going to stop for a couple of, I, I got a wedding in Ohio on And then I show dogs and I have another show next week and somewhere in there I have to work and, you know, clean the house, take
0: take
1: care of everything else. But this was something that I had wanted to do. And being so busy lately, literally in the last, like, three days, I pulled it together. And if you come down here, definitely look for your reservations. There's a two-night minimum. I was lucky out, um, finding out somebody who would work with me. Uh, you need a pass. If you want to uh, get your kayak out on the water, it's only $5. It's not a big deal. But um, uh, And then, of course, be here early. And there is no other experience that I can say of seeing these ponies um, if you're not uh, except being on a kayak because literally I could have reached out and touched these ponies and they had no worry. They had no, um, they were, they were looking at the crowd. They were looking at you. Um, they kind of were drawn into, but they were so easily focused on their, their pack. And it was just really to be so close. And the hearing the splash and the cowboys and they're nickering and they're jumping on top of each other. It's, it was really exciting. Everybody should be here.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you for giving us a report from your kayak. I appreciate it. Oh,
1: my goodness. Thank you for mentioning about Emmy. I'm so happy that I was able to come. Thank you.
2: I'm here with the
1: mad scientist who developed daily dose equine horse feeds, Janet Geyer. And I wanted to have a quick chat with you because daily dose equine horse feeds are
2: non-GMO, whole food nutrition based. And a lot of people go, oh, that comes from a small dedicated feed mill. I won't be able to get that when I travel. They're wrong, aren't they?
1: They are. You can get it through Chewy anywhere in the United
3: States. Or if you live locally in Maryland and Northern Virginia, you can get it delivered.
2: There you go. Chewy.com, it will deliver it anywhere you want. You can also schedule delivery in advance so you can have it delivered every x number of days and you can go in there to your account and change it every time you move horse show venues so check it out today daily online or chewy.com
0: so just a quick reminder that we're doing our mongol derby coverage on the stable scoop show tonight with our friend devin horn who's ridden it three times and we're going to go over where everybody is where everybody's at what what's the scuttlebutt that we've heard. Hopefully, maybe get a friend or a family member of two on the show tonight. So join us, Facebook Live. Just go to Horses in the Morning on Facebook, and you'll find us there. Auditors, we will also be live in the auditor room if you want to join us. If you know anybody that's riding and you know their family, have them tune in, and maybe we'll get them on as well. So that's tonight at 730 Eastern, and we look forward to you being there. Also, in the post-show today, we're going to be doing some study show. But first
2: time to learn why some days you're embarrassed to be part of the human race
0: in Jamie's weird news.
2: The way this works is say you're reading through the news on your phone or computer or wherever, and uh, you see a story and you're like, huh, that's really weird. Email it to me, Jamie at horse radio com, with weird news in the subject line. That way I can find it. And uh, this week, well, it's two weeks worth, but it was Lorreen, Aaron, Katie, Charlotte, Abby, Ellen, Glenn, and Margaret all sent me some multiples, some overlapping, some of the same, I don't care, uh, weird news stories. So we're going to go through it. Now, I would like to point out, Glenn, that very easily, very easily, I could have done a segment of All Florida. <laughs>
0: But you didn't because of me, because you feel sorry for me. I didn't
2: because some of them were were weirder than others, so I wanted (laughs) to cover the really weird ones. But we will start in Florida, okay? Okay. Um, And uh, where's Hollywood, Florida? Is that near
0: you? That's down near Jemmy again along the eastern coast.
2: That makes sense. Uh, So there's a lady in Hollywood, Florida. Her name is Michelle Reynolds. And it's the middle of the night, but she was hungry. So she went downstairs... To make herself a snack. And she put some popcorn in the microwave. And uh, decided, yeah, I got to pee. I'll go pee. So she walks into her bathroom. She flips on the light. Quickly screams, flips off the light and runs off. <laughs> because as she approached her toilet, she looked in and found an 11 inch long iguana.
0: God, Hanging these out stories and terrify me. I hate these stories because it just makes me, every time I go to the bathroom at night, I, this is what I think of.
2: Yeah, you, you need to look in your toilet before you sit down <laughs> on it. In Florida, okay? And make sure you t- take a peek in the bowl. Everything time. Because, <laughs> so we've had snakes. Iguan- this time it's an iguana. And by the way, they'll whip you with their tails so fast, your little butt will have a welt on
0: it. <laughs> so please just make sure. Did they say how the iguana got into the toilet?
2: Uh, apparently, iguanas are taking over South Florida. Yeah, they and they're are. everywhere, right. and uh, it was because somebody brought it as a. They're not native. Somebody brought it as a pet, and probably you know people in the '60s had them as pets and let them go, and they bred, and so they're everywhere. I mean, when I was in Key West, they were everywhere. So uh, big several ones iguanas, too, really
0: big ones. Yeah. yeah,
2: they 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 said that <laughs> the the officer who responded because she then called. Uh, Harold Rondon of Iguana Lifestyles, a wildlife removal service to rescue the little fella. And he said, when he walked in, he goes, he's in the toilet. He goes, that's the second one we found in the toilet this week. (laughs) Jeez. So, they can get up to 18 inches long. They said he took up most of the toilet bowl. They rescued him and he has been relocated, and everybody is fine. They do say that iguanas are not dangerous to people, although some iguanas can transmit salmonella. So, oh, just, good. you know. Yeah,
0: don't drink the toilet water after they've been hanging out in there. It, don't <laughs> drink <laughs>
2: it. So, I was going over these stories with Chad ahead of time because I always run by him to hey see there. what's the. Yeah, can you hear me? Hello? Hello? Right Hello? here? Right hey here? There. Can you hear me?
0: Oh, there you are. I don't know what happened. Stupid Skype.
2: That's weird. I was just talking away, not the do right, anything. So
0: just make believe you're coming in after the sound. Okay. Count me in. Three, two, one.
2: Well, before I come on and do these weird news stories, I go through them all with Chad uh, just to read the headlines and see what he thinks is the funniest. And uh, this one really got him cackling uh, for multiple reasons. So we're going to head to Colorado this time because there is a man. His name is Bob Salem. He's 53 years old and he reached the top of Pikes Peak on Friday morning. I saw this story. (laughs) This story is not that he did it. It's that he's the fourth to do it.
0: I know.
2: 53 years old, successfully climbed all the way to the summit of Pike's peak while pushing a peanut with his nose. <laughs> Why on earth would you think, you know what? I would like to go to the top of Pike's peak, but I'm not going to just walk it. I'm going to push a peanut and roll a peanut all the way up with my nose. Okay, so here's the thing. He said I had to avoid the heat and the distractions. So uh, he said when I did it in the daylight and stuff, I'd have to stop every 5, 10 minutes, take some pictures, talk to some people, do that kind of stuff. So he uh, he said it slowed him down. Yeah, because people are like, why the hell are you pushing pushing a a peanut (laughs) up the hill with your nose? So he ended up uh, just doing it at night. I mean, it was hot, you know, and people are like, why are you pushing a peanut up with your nose? He said he estimated he used nearly two dozen peanuts because some fell into cracks between the rocks and he wasn't <laughs> able to retrieve them. So bears um, attacked him for
0: the others. So. <laughs>
2: yeah. He said starting out, the plan was for someone to go along with him to carry his backpack and supplies, but it fell through. So he would push a peanut up to there and then have to, like, secure the peanut... <laughs> Yes. And walk back down and get his stuff and then walk back up to the top of the hill to where his peanut was and then continuing. How long
0: did this take him? Because Pike's Peak is 14,000 feet.
2: Okay. Well, he is the fourth person. That means three other people
0: have Woke up in the morning and said, I got to push a peanut with my nose.
2: With my nose up to the top (laughs) of Pike Peak. The record for doing it the fastest was eight days. Eight days to push a peanut with your nose up to the top of Pikes Peak. Well, guess what? Bob Salem did it in six, <laughs> six, and he carried his own stuff with him. He uh, there is a photo of him. Um, it looks like a wedding ring box that's popped open and inside that is a peanut and he has a certificate and then he has this weird contraption on his nose. <laughs> like, I mean, I guess you can't do it with your like bare nose because you'd probably bleed. So he's got like a peanut pusher nose
0: guard. <laughs> and we're, we're talking the kind of peanut you eat in the shell. Is that what we're talking? A peanut? Just a... Yeah. I understand that this story makes no sense. Well, plus peanuts don't roll too good.
2: No, there's a whole lot
0: wrong with this story,
2: (laughs) which is why somebody, multiple people, sent it to me in the weird news division.
0: We need to get this guy on the show. He sounds like somebody. No, I don't
2: ever want to talk. I I don't need to know. (laughs) You know what? As a parent, you love your child no matter what. Okay. He has Why a mama you, that
0: loves him somewhere. <laughs>
2: they, oh, this is a completely unrelated story <laughs> because there's, we're going to go to Vermont and Wayne Tallman uh, has a child and his child is in his 20s. His 24 year old son, Brandon Tallman, w- w- had committed burglary and assault charges. And so Brandon Tallman, 24, was at his parents' house. And the police were coming and they showed up and they're like, that's it. You have to go to jail. We're taking you to jail. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you can say, I can't do. We can use to get you court of law, all that stuff. Well, let me tell you what. Amy and Wayne, his mama and daddy were not okay with them arresting his, their child. So Amy, the mama, 48 years old gets into a scuffle a scuffle with trooper Velasquez and Shrouth. Okay. And she's like, you ain't taking my baby nowhere. And she starts yelling and kicking, screaming and biting at the police officers. Well, let me tell you what daddy did wayne he climbed into the cab of his excavator drove it over to where the police were trying to arrest his son and started swinging the bucket of the excavator (laughs) back and forth trying to nail the police the photo because there's a dashboard camera on the car and there's a picture of a police car with a excavator arm it's like a chomper is coming at the police officer and the it's, it's grainy, but it looks like if you took your fingers and hands and put them together and pointed your two arms at somebody, it lo- he's pointing either a gun or a taser at the guy in the excavator, excavator who's trying to hit him. Another policeman in this photo has hit the dirt because he had to dive under the arm of the excavator <laughs> to get from being hit. Well, let me tell you what happened. They all went to jail. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no I,
2: you know what? You go go to jail with your baby. You're all going. All three family members taken into custody. Wayne Tallman now charges faces charges including reckless endangerment and assault on a protected official. Amy has been charged with impeding an officer trying to stop them from taking her baby. And uh, I would like to also announce that these people look exactly.
0: Like I would. Like picture. what you
2: would think they look
0: like. <laughs> <laughs> the picture of a guy driving an excavator trying to hit cops with it. That's trying is that to guy? use yeah. the
2: arm to. Swing. And this is in Vermont, so not Florida. So you're good there.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Something good came out of that story.
2: But of course, we have to end in Florida, Glenn. Of course. And guess where we're going? In Florida,
0: <sighs> Port St. Lucie. No. No. Yeah.
2: No, we're going to Ocala. <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: wow, that's right. That's, that's a rare Ocala. Ocala appearance. I got to say, but it is rare that we get Ocala. Well, it, we've it, had it a few times. Just a couple.
2: If, if 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 Corey Johnson has any children or parents in the area, this is going to become more uh, prevalent because uh, he was arrested Friday for allegedly driving a stolen truck. Okay, so he sees a truck. And he steals it. It's in a 2013 F-150 in Riviera Beach, Florida. And he has it for about three days. And then on Tuesday, he drove it to this Patrick Space Force base in Brevard County. Do you know where that is?
0: Yeah. N- no, not really.
2: There's a Space Force base in Brevard County. Well, in I, th- apparently- I
0: actually think that's, the, uh, that's where NASA is.
2: Yeah. Yep. Well... Uh, That would make sense because he drove it to the base and went right through. Yeah, that's that's where NASA is where they try to stop you and they 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 finally pull him over. And he says, I have to take this base to the vehicle. I have to take this vehicle to the base because you're never going to believe what's happening. The government is not aware that there are aliens fighting chinese dragons and donald trump told me that i need to take this car to the base and tell them that there are u.s aliens fighting chinese dragons and it has to be stopped (laughs) just just sit with that for a minute drugs are bad drugs are bad (laughs) that's right ladies and gentlemen You know, he's a hero, really. He's a hero because, (laughs) bless his heart, Corey Johnson is trying to save the world by stealing a car and going to Space Force Base to tell everybody that Chinese dragons are fighting is aliens. Is there
0: videos of the Chinese dragons fighting the aliens? Because I'd like to watch that.
2: No, but there's a very good picture of his mugshot, and um, <laughs> it looks exactly like what you there's think it French looks like. <laughs>
0: Drugs are exactly. really, really bad.
2: Drugs are bad. <laughs> All right, and that is the end of Weird News, although I did have plenty more, including the uh, people that uh, in Key West, Florida, had a Ernest Hemingway look Contest where 130 men Showed up to compete for the title Of Ernest Hemingway lookalikes
0: You know so I couldn't even go. tell you what Ernest Hemingway looks like so I'd have to look that one up Pretty
2: much an old guy with a grey beard
0: Okay, <laughs> Well that's Apparently, me I could go do it
2: yeah, you could do it. You might win.
0: <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for joining us. We appreciate it. If you missed it yesterday, we had the Horse Illustrated episode. A lot of fun over there. We'll have sales and breeding for you tomorrow, and some really bad ads on Friday. Auditors, hang around for the post show. We're going to do. You think Weird News was interesting? I have some sur- studies show that were also interesting over the last month. We wasted a lot of month or a lot of money on studies over the last month. Let me tell you. So that's coming up as well. We'll talk to you all. Soon.
2: Alright, everybody. Bye. Spade, neuter, and yelp. Starve your chili. Drugs are bad. Maybe we should end with that. Every Wednesday.
0: Drugs are bad. Drugs are bad. Are
2: bad. <laughs>